And we're back with some more on Wisconsin. And I got to tell you, as a, as a person who's, uh, I think this is my fourth semester doing this, so that means I'm approaching my third year. It's always exciting for me when I book two guests who've never met each other and they start connecting. So I, I, I want to tell on you a little bit, SJ, before I bring you in. SJ Miller, um, we met um, a couple of weeks ago. There was, a, um, there was the vigil um, that took place um, when we were um, doing our, um, it was in reverence of those lives lost um, this year during, um, and not to rehash all of those emotions, but we met at a very emotional time. Um, but we wanted to connect because I liked that you introduced yourself as a person new to Madison. I also liked that you mentioned uh, you were uh, a faculty member here um, at the university. And then you were really um, open about um, looking for diversity in that diverse culture here. And, you know, as a, as a, as a native myself, I want to tell you that it exists. It's out there. I don't know, you know, where your walks have taken you yet, but it is out there, and I'm I'm glad to at least connect you with uh, one individual who is a part of that uh, diverse Madison community. So, SJ, thank you so much for joining us tonight on this uh, on this Monday evening, and uh, can I say Happy Hanukkah? Yes. <laughs> happy Hanukkah back to you too. Thank you. Um, so. How to even begin this conversation? Because we're, we're talking about, we're talking about work in the community. We're talking about working with youth. We're talking about getting those youth to the types of careers uh, that uh, is maybe in their hearts, but not yet in their minds. Mm -hmm. In the way that you know they they might say, hey, you know, I really want to do this kind of work, but I really care about this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so you know, part of what you do. Uh, here at UW is helping those young people and and maybe aligning their their passions with with their career choice. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, what brings you to Madison and how you're liking it so far? Sure, sure. So I'm in secondary English teacher education, and I'm working with graduate pre-service students that are getting their teacher license in both English and certification in ESL. And the work that I do is about disrupting inequities across the myriad of identities and what I call the indeterminate, because the indeterminacy of identity is the constant evolution and the re-evolution and the recreating of identity in ways that we can't even imagine. So we are becoming more of a multilingual, multicultural, multi-ethnic, multi-multi-multi. And yet we are not naming that within the social justice work. And I think it's really important to unpack those, those terms and enumerate it. Because when you don't see yourself in language or identity, it contributes to a type of erasure, of identity erasure. And what I think we've seen is over time, when you don't see yourself reflected in curriculum, there are re there's research that shows that students' motivation tends to shut down and they become disengaged, they don't want to be in schools. And the perception then by teachers is that those students are misbehaving, they end up being pushed out of school, and they're called at risk. But really the question that I come back to is who's at risk? Those students are at risk for having poor teachers, right? Those teachers are not equipped to handle the level of injustice that is out there. And so what do we do? We push our kids out. 
And so the work I'm doing with my students is to help them think more broadly and critically about these systemic structures that continue to reinforce the inequities um, that are impacting school environments. Interesting. That's interesting. We're an interesting perspective because while some might say you're a medicine rookie, some being me, you haven't seen all four seasons, right? Maybe five if you count construction. That's right. Um, Go Monroe. You you kind of are. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, Monroe Street. Yeah. Breaking news. Monroe Street is now open, right? Yeah, it's, two, it's two ways. <laughs> it's now two way. It's a bisexual street. Um, <laughs> you you you're you're kind of uh, pitching that that Madison mentality, that vibe that I sort of grew up with which is, you know, we need more inclusion, we need more diversity, we need more ways for uh, community to be mm -hmm. community and engagement. And it's funny because as Karen was talking about Karen's work, uh, I saw your head nodding. And then while you were talking about, you know, some of your background, I saw Karen's head nodding. So it's, it's kind of interesting that, you know, I, being new here, already you're starting to, to see that, that real connection. So I'm really excited about that. Well, I'm going I'm to push back on your language. I don't like to use the word diversity and inclusion because okay. these are terms that frame, um, they're in reference to whiteness, right? So you are the diversity in relationship to whiteness. You are the inclusion in, in relationship to whiteness. And diversity is a signifier for everything and yet a signifier for nothing. So it serves as a proxy to say we are attending to diverse issues or strategies around diversity when really we're not doing the work. We're doing what I would call surface level microwave work. And the deep work has to be, how do we disrupt that? How do we think more broadly about um, sustaining the work that speaks to everybody that we're working with in schools? And personally, I'm sick and tired of programs that say we're, we're continued, excuse me, we are committed to diversity. Mm -hmm. I mean, because I have been that token. I've left my jobs because I refuse to be part of a lip service. And the same with inclusion. Because to say that we're an inclusive environment, sure, you can bring in people, but that doesn't mean anything. It's all surface level. So the terms that we struggle with in, in academia are such, those two terms, but really what we're talking about is creating equal opportunity, equal access, and possibilities to have equal outcomes. So I take it you're not uh, in love with the word uh, minority then either? No, I mean everything is in, in relationship to whiteness. Everything, right? So it's the minority in relationship to this. It's, I mean, look at the, the education gap. What we're really talking about is an opportunity gap. We're talking about an education debt that has per been perpetuated over time. And that debt is because teachers, 80% of the teaching force, are white women, right? So we have these disparities that are already existing within the system and a gap in understanding the different discourse patterns that students are bringing. Teachers continue to reinforce the five-paragraph essay, which is based on a framework of linear thinking, of linear conversation that's very Eurocentric. We're not taking in the multitude of discourse patterns of students that are indigenous, Native Americans, um, coming from different Spanish and Latino backgrounds, um, Hmong backgrounds. We continue to reshape the discourse so it frames a way that comforts us, right? That comforts whiteness rather than disrupts it. And I think that if we continue in the same um, direction we're going, we're just going to continue to reinforce like a meritocratic society and continue to alienate students who don't want to be in the system and then get pathologized as deviant and wrong and misbehave misbehaving and you know i thank you by the way thank you for that because it is educational it's always nice to hear uh from someone with the educational background to kind of you know help us re reframe and rethink 
our, our own way of thinking. Um, I've always struggled with the word minority myself from a sort of matter factually perspective, right? I mean, if you look at the numbers, well, what's, you know, first of all, what's the definition of minority, right? And then you look at the numbers and you look at all the individuals that people want to put into that category. I'm like, well, is that really the minority then? You know, if you're saying people of color, women and, you know, whatever other, you know, uh, LGBTQ community, if you're putting all that into this uh, group that you call a minority and again, weighed out against the, the general population, I think what you have is more of a majority of people uh, with those different uh, diverse backgrounds. And, and I'm struggling with vernacular here to communicate these uh, types of nuances, but they are important. Like we find words really do help push agendas because, you know, the, it, it drives the narrative. And so like really what it is, what are you talking about? Well, you're talking about potentially creating the same access to beneficial resources to one individual that you would another individual mm -hmm. or you're you're talking about the same protections and whether it be the juvenile uh, justice system or the adult justice system you're talking about the same um, uh, types of uh, uh, benefits that one individual would receive to another I mean you know it's all about being able to look at one individual and another individual with the same kind of uh, mindset and same framework and give everybody a fair Mm -hmm. a fair chance. I mean, th think about this too. Like people use the word white and whiteness. I say that there are people of whiteness. I mean, I think it's the same way of saying people of color. It's that there is a broad spectrum of whiteness. But to disaggregate whiteness then is to dilute the power that people don't want to look at. So whiteness ends up being collapsed into whiteness. It's when really we're talking about multiple times types of white people, poor, um, classed, uh, that's kind of the same thing, able-bodied, you know, disabled, um, people from rural areas. Right. Aren't we all suburban. people? Don't we all have the same types of, aren't we all kind of fighting the same battle at, in, in some instances? I mean, it, why, why draw a line somewhere? I mean, maybe we can all find a way to help one another um, in sort of a more general way. I mean, and, and can I can I roll in Karen because I know please, I, I, please. I said I wanted to do that so um, so we have Karen back here as well um, I mean why why even create these divisive labels then you know as we're talking about these uh, various topics yeah that's that can be a tricky question um, but I think you know divisions have been were created long long before now. Um, across class, across racial and ethnic lines. Um, but it's important for us to talk about them because there are inequities. If we were all doing okay, if we were all doing the same, if we didn't have to fight for equal access, then it would be okay to not necessarily name these divisions. But until we do all have equal access, to take away that name is to essentially not recognize that people are there because they aren't um we aren't all integrated in into the same majority culture so in in the question of um talking about whiteness and being um a part of that system and white supremacy people that don't fit that mold are essentially not not acknowledged in our systems so interesting and i'm not sure uh if this is an exact um connection here um, but I know we were talking before the show 
about the uh, hip hop task force. And yes. so, you know, it's funny because we, we talk about race, we talk about gender, um, uh, we talk about sexual preference, sexual orientation. I mean, in the conversation, we talk about um, equal opportunities. We're talking about marital status. We're talking, I mean, anything that people can use um, as, a, as a sort of a, a designing or, or, or like a label of some kind, we talk about those things in, in, in that greater context. Hip hop culture is now being a part of that conversation as well. I think some people draw uh, lines of, you know, uh, connections to like uh, urban communities and things like that. They're looking for different ways of talking about, um, you know, perhaps a, a, a other demographics. Um, but uh, before we end the hour, and, and we are kind of approaching it, can you give us a little bit of insight on this uh, study from the Hip Hop Task Force as well, what we have you here? That's coming out um, tomorrow. It'll be introduced to the Common Council tomorrow. So this mm -hmm. was a task force of uh, 11 people that met for 14 months to talk about how do we how do we get hip hop and other other underrepresented genres of music um, to have equal access to, to stages in our nightlife and also in our daytime entertainment like festivals and and things like that. Um, the one tricky part about this conversation as well is that hip hop and urban have become code for large crowds of people of color and specifically large crowds of black people, which um, has been an issue in Madison for many, many decades. We don't have, um, we have a very small percentage of businesses owned by people of color and we have an even smaller, I think there's one bar in Madison that's owned by a black man and that just opened up recently. Um, venues that have catered to primarily people of color are generally pretty short-lived, face a lot of scrutiny, face higher numbers of police calls, um, and face higher amounts of media coverage of negative events and negative stereotypes as opposed to recognizing the positive things that come into play. So those are the primary issues that the, the task force on equity in music and entertainment uh, focused on. And, you know, the reason, the only reason why I bring it up, uh, you know, as we're talking about I, this whole episode has been an episode, I think, largely about, you know, how do we involve ourselves in the community to either, you know, do some more community policing as well as, you know, how does that play out in local and even statewide government? I mean, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm down here in Madison, right? But, you know, we have neighbors up north in Green Bay and, um, you know, they're, they're still our neighbors, you know, we we're in the same state. You know, we have the same governor, and and so we're 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 still kind of in that you know larger context community. You know, how do we work together? Absolutely. So I gotta cut it short because I see the next show getting ready for tonight. I'd love to have every all of my guests on at any point in time in the future. We'll have more time to talk about the various uh, initiatives and plans moving forward. I want to thank all of my guests. That's S. J. Miller. That's um, Karen Pfeiffer, um, that's Nadia Mosifer, um, and of course the WSUM news team for, um, for their news piece as well. This has been On Wisconsin, Mondays, 7 to 8 p.m. Have a fantastic night, everybody. Just fight a little longer, my friend. It's all worth it in the end. But when you got nobody to turn to, just hold on and I'll find you, I'll find you, I'll find you, just hold on and I'll find you.